Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. I have a doctor in psychology and am a licensed marriage and family therapist, a registered play therapist, university professor, writer, and mom of two. Each episode of the Parentologist Podcast focuses on a variety of topics related to parenting, family, children, and mental health. I'm glad you're here. I am so excited to welcome Ashley Eckstein to this week's episode. Ashley has been widely recognized and honored as an actress, entrepreneur, author, and fashion designer, most known as the voice of Ahsoka Tano in Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Rebels, and Rise of Skywalker. Ashley founded her universe in 2010, which is a groundbreaking fangirl fashion and lifestyle brand. And and she's also an accomplished actress with numerous film and television credits. She uses her voice as a passionate advocate for mental health awareness and as a champion for nationwide children's On Our Sleeves movement. Ashley, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It is truly my pleasure to be here. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of when, how long ago we actually met. It definitely was a couple years ago. I know we've met at a couple of Disney creator events. And then we also met again at uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital, uh, the grand opening of their Behavioral Health Center a couple of years back. Um, and it's been a while. Obviously, the pandemic is, has changed that, but it's been a while since I've actually seen you in person. So it's so nice to hear your voice today. <laughs> Oh yes, you too. I the, honestly, the the pleasure has been all mine to get to know you. Um, you are truly just one of my favorite people, and I'm so inspired by what you do and all of your work. So um, it's it's a pleasure at least to chat today, and I can't wait until we can be in person again together soon. Yes, exactly. Me too. But you know, I want to I want to touch on something. You know, I have a couple of. Um, you know, fun little tidbits we'll talk about later. But as you know, um, you know, it's uh, October is National Bullying Prevention Month. And I know you have been very outspoken about um, bullying and some of your own personal experiences. And um, as I have, you know, shared some information on my blog and have done um, numerous uh, workshops and, and trainings in schools and outside of schools on bullying. And it, it just, it, continues to be a perpetual problem, obviously. Um, but I would love for you to take a minute to share your experience about bullying, specifically cyberbullying. Um, if you could share a little bit about your story and how you were able to cope through it. Yes. You know, I am a bit older. So I grew up when I was a kid, uh, pre-social media, um, so I was bullied in elementary school, but um, I was not cyberbullied. And but because of my experience, it was specifically fifth grade. I was bullied really bad, um, mm -hmm. pretty much by every single girl in my class. And I I had no friends. I was labeled the teacher's pet. Um, they stole my homework. They framed me for things. And truly, over nothing I did other than 
just being a good student. And right. um, there's a lot of jealousy involved. And it just, it wasn't a great year. You know, I came home many a times in tears. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, it got better in middle school because I went to a new school and I made some friends and, you know, I met a, a group of kids that were just like me. So I no longer felt so alone. And um, it actually got better for me in middle school, whereas I know sometimes it gets worse for kids in middle school. Um, but because of my experience uh, in elementary school with bullying, I've always been an advocate for anti-bullying and speaking up against bullying. Um, however, I had never been cyber bullied until I was an adult. And so I couldn't quite, you know, really understand how kids felt until it happened to me. And I, I remember that day um, and that week, actually, when it happened, like it was yesterday. I, it was actually the first day of um, uh, my book tour. I uh, wrote a book for Disney called It's Your Universe, You Have the Power to Make It Happen. And um, it's, it's a nonfiction book, um, kind of a, a how-to guide on how to make your dreams come true. So it's a roadmap on um, how to dream it and do it. And simultaneously, as I'm kicking off day one of a nationwide book tour for my new book, um, I was accused of uh, doing something that I didn't do. I was accused of um, kind of taking someone else's dream away and stealing mm. someone's idea. And it was one hundred percent false, one hundred percent untrue. It was a lie. There, I had proof that it was not true. I had proof that it was made up. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, this accusation was made on social media and online, and it just snowballed. And it, you know, it, it went viral uh, for a bit. And you know, um, I, like I said, I remember. It, like it was yesterday because I I had my very first book signing and I went from like the highest of highs uh, to instantly the lowest of lows. Um, you know, I, I grabbed my phone and I looked at it after the book signing was done. And then literally uh, in less like multiple snakes were, were popping up on my notifications, um, you know, in less than a second, like just snake, 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 uh, over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and it was just, you know, literally my phone was blowing up with negative comments and snake emojis and horrible, horrible things were being said to me and about me. Um, and just by the second, uh, comments were coming in. And so I didn't even know what it was for, you know, right. at first, cause I'm like, what is going on? So I finally got to the bottom of what was going on and, um, you know, very quickly realized that it was a false accusation. Um, very quickly got to the bottom of how it started um, very quickly got to the bottom of, like I said, I, I even had proof that it was not true. Um, but at this point it didn't matter right? because it had, it had gone viral and, and, uh, you know, everyone had their mind made up 
that I stole someone else's dream and stole someone's idea. And, and again, none of it was true, but, um, in the court of public opinion, based upon what was out there, um, you know, I, I didn't even have a chance to defend myself. And so this went on for a couple of days and, you know, next thing you know, hundreds, uh, if not thousands of, of comments, um, thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of likes and then video views and uh, were out there. I mean, there was videos on YouTube and, you know, all these, you know, oh. posts and extensions of posts about what and and I wish you could see me because I would be doing air quotes, but about what I did, um, which again wasn't true, but I could not defend myself. Um, it was heartbreaking, you know. It was beyond heartbreaking, and fortunately, I had all of the support in the world. You know, not only did I have my husband and my family, I had my business. I had. Um, you know, uh, two other major businesses behind me and and on my side and supporting me and helping me. Um, And we were able to privately handle the matter um, to, to at least, you know, get, get that false accusations taken down. Um, we were privately able to, uh, speak to the accusing party and, and, you know, privately handle it. And so after about a week, I would say the negative comments stopped coming in by the second. Um, however, I was never able to, to stand up for myself. I was never able to, um, tell the truth. Right. I was never able to clear my name because, you know, it, it, as, as I was being advised, it would start it all up again. It would, uh, fuel the fire. It would add, you know, add a fan to the flame. And, um, and so it was heartbreaking because here I was, you know, like I said, on a book tour, uh, promoting that you can make your dreams come true while simultaneously being accused of taking away someone else's dream. And that just, like I said, we had proof that it was 100% not true. So um, I, I just so happened since I was on my book tour, um, I already had an appearance scheduled at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. And as you know, we're going to talk about on this podcast, Nationwide Children's Hospital, they're, you know, they're leaders in our nation for children's mental health. Mm -hmm. And I had a book signing there for the patients of the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I showed up at the hospital uh, really to help the patients and their families, you know, to bring some joy to the patients. And in turn, I was, I showed up in crisis because I was right. dealing with this cyberbullying moment. And I will never forget it. The hospital and the doctors and, you know, just all the experts there, um, they wrapped their arms around me and they helped me. And um, I felt in many ways like I was, uh, you know, 
I was I was able to get my voice back, not so much publicly, but understanding what happened to me, that I was a victim of cyberbullying. And, um, and, you know, they showed me what they were doing for, uh, you know, for pediatric mental health and their efforts for anti-bullying, but then, you know, obviously everything else that they're doing with mental health. And I, I, I basically told them, I said, look, you know, you're not going to get rid of me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I, I want to, um, I want to be a champion for you and an advocate for you. And I'm going to get my voice back because in many ways I felt like my voice was taken away since I wasn't allowed to defend myself. I said, I'm going to take my voice back by being a voice for others because I was an adult in this situation with a tremendous amount of support. I can't imagine how a kid gets through something like that, like I experienced. And so I said, I'm, I'm going to be a voice for others and let other kids know that they're not alone. Let other you know people know that um, they will get through it and that there is help, that there is support, that there is light. And you know, I don't ever want anyone, if I can help it, if I can save someone from experiencing what I experienced, um, then gosh darn it, I'm going to do it because it was a horrible, horrible feeling. And it really messed with my mind. And like I said, I had proof that it was a lie and I had a tremendous amount of support behind me. Right. And, and, and thankfully you did. And, you know, here you are trying to, you know, celebrate your book and celebrate the, the content in the book, which I've read, I, I own the book. Um, you gave, gave it, you actually gave one to me back when we had met years ago. And it's a, it's a phenomenal book and it's very inspiring. And, you know, here you are trying to celebrate that. And then this happens and I can only imagine how helpless it made you feel and how vulnerable you were, you know, not like you said, to be able to defend yourself and just the, the mental overload that you were feeling, um, you know, through the, how the entire experience, you know, I used to do um, anti-bullying um, assemblies at schools, um, K through 12. And, you know, the first time I feel like I remember someone bullying me was in around fourth grade where you and I are about the same age. I'm a little bit older. Um, and again, s- social media and pretty much nothing related to the internet or phones or anything was even alive back then, you know, when I was that young. But, you know, now when I started doing assemblies for schools, Ashley, it's I was doing it at pre-K level, three yeah. and four-year-olds and even kindergarten where kids, you know, were being mean to each other at such an early age. And I was just dumbfounded at at first. I thought, why are kids being so mean so young? Because like you said, you think maybe middle school, high school, maybe late elementary, you know, the hormones start and, you know, more competition and, you know, things like that happen. But, and now as an adult, you know, it happens, you know, there's mom shaming out there and there's just so much out there as adults, we're just, you know, especially if you're in the public eye, you know, like you and I are, I mean, you much more so um, to a much greater extent, but um, it's, it's just very unfortunate, you know, that even as adults go through this. So I want my next question I wanted to ask you, you know, was, I don't know if you have an answer for this, or if either of us can come up with an answer for this, you know, why so much bullying takes place in adulthood and what advice would you have someone, you know, struggling with with bullying as an adult? 
Well, it's, it's funny because I have been bullied as an adult by other adults. Um, you know, it's happened in the workplace and it, it was awful. I mean, uh, once again, you know, lies were being spread and it was, it was really because somebody felt their job was threatened and it really had nothing to do with me, but I just became the target. Um, and you know, there, there was a moment of time where it was so bad I almost walked away from the job completely because I said, it's, this is not worth it. You know, I'm showing up to work every day and this is, this is, this is miserable. And and this is not good for my mental health. You know, I'm, uh, you know, either going into the office in tears or, or leaving the office in tears. And, um, you know, fortunately, uh, it, it did get better, but it was after, about two years of adult bullying. And so I, you know, I don't necessarily know why it's, it's happening more so, but this is something I've talked with my husband about quite a bit, um, is, you know, specifically thinking about kids. I think as adults, we have a responsibility because we, we wonder like, oh, why are our kids dealing with bullying? But I think we have to look at our inside our own homes mm-hmm. and realize that kids are hearing pretty much everything we're saying. And, you know, it's so easy in private conversation to say something about someone else right. that might be might not be the most complimentary. Um, might be attacking someone's personality or their appearance or, you know, definitely could be considered bullying. And you think that you're in the privacy of your own home. Um, But to a kid, you know, they're hearing all of that. And so then they go to school and they may have the same actions. But where are they learning it from? Right. <laughs> you know, they're, yes. they're, they're, you know, they're learning it from at home and, and, you know, some things that you may think are just innocent and honestly in the privacy of your own home, if there's kids around, I mean, kids are just, they're sponges. And, um, I mean, it's not even so much bullying. I, you know, I've talked with my husband, um, cause I have a bunch of nieces and, you know, um, you know, just even comments about appearance or, you know, healthy body image. And, you know, as adults, things that we think, you know, are no big deal and that, that, you know, just honestly comments that may roll off of our tongue could be very damaging for kids to listen to, um, you know, as they're, as they're growing and learning. And so I, 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 I'm not really, unfortunately, answering your question because I, I agree with you. I, I really don't have an answer as to, to why it's happening more. And, and maybe that does go back to social media. I mean, I think bullying has become a lot more prevalent mm-hmm. because it's so much easier to hide behind a keyboard or hide behind a screen and say something about someone that you would never in a million years say to their face. But 
you would have the confidence to say it if you're behind a screen or a keyboard. So, I mean, maybe that's why it's more prevalent. Um, yeah, 100%. But, but yeah. Yeah. It, it is true. You know, gosh, I feel like we can go so many directions right now. But, you know, it's interesting, again, going back to some of the trainings that I, you know, to do for bullying, you know, we talked about the bully, the victim and the bystander and how everyone has a role in bullying. And we used to emphasize the bystander role and educating children in schools that if you see bullying, uh, whether you're watching it from afar or you're kind of in the middle of it, you know, a lot of times um, it does happen behind closed doors, especially with a cyberbullying. But sometimes it happens on cyberbullying and the whole class is involved, you know, like lots of people are tagged and, you know, whatnot. But, you know, that the bystander does have a very prominent, powerful role in in bullying. And if they do see it, you know, to, to stand up and they don't have to do it right to that, you know, if it happens in person or even online, you know, they don't have to put themselves out there necessarily because I know that can be pretty scary for kids to do sometimes. But, you know, like you said, privately going to a teacher or a yard duty or the principal or someone or even their own parents at home and saying, you know, this is what I witnessed today. This is what I saw can you support me, you know, going back to school and telling my teacher or whatever it is. So they stay protected as well. And, you know, we had this whole situation in teaching, you know, tattling versus telling. And, you know, tattling is when you're specifically trying to get someone in trouble. Telling is, you know, keeping someone safe. And, um, you know, I I just want to put it out there just, you know, to when it talks to about support, you know, that even the bystander has support and has and has a role in it. And, you know, I, I sometimes wish it happened more than it does, um, you know, for people to to stand up and say this is not right. And that's what I love about you. Um, I love that you do a mental health Mondays, um, you know, on Instagram. And I, I've seen your work um, with your Instagram lives and things like that uh, was part of one of one. Um, I know. I know. Thank you for being a guest on a recent mental health Monday. Yes, I was honored. Um, but I love that you because, you know, as you know, um, you know, bullying can have such a, a detrimental effect on mental health, mental well-being. You know, there's obviously many stories out there that we've heard over the years of how some bullying has led to even suicide and, you know, depression, anxiety, you know, all sorts of things, um, self-image. And um, it, it just can be, like you said, um, devastating, heartbreaking and devastating for children and adults. Um you know, and going back to, you know, Nationwide Children's Hospital, I know you work very closely and are a celebrity spokesperson for um, their On Our Sleeves movement. Um, can you just tell us for a second, I know you went into a little bit of detail earlier, you know, why you're so passionate about children's mental health. I know it stems from your own experiences. Um, and what does your involvement, you know, mean to you? What what, is, what do you hope to get across um, in your role with On Our Sleeves? Well, Uh, you know, I'm definitely an advocate for mental health for all ages. You know, uh, as a part of my community, um, you know, which I, I being a Star Wars fan myself and a Disney fan myself, which is a a big part of my community. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for everyone, you know, realizing that their mental health is just as important as their physical health Yes, and that we need to break the stigma surrounding mental health. Um, but once I met Nationwide Children's Hospital and, you know, they educated me, I mean, I've really become a sponge uh, and, and, you know, a student um, or in Star Wars terms, a Padawan mm-hmm. <laughs> to Nationwide <laughs> Children's Hospital um, and the Honor Sleeves movement, you know, realizing that, um, 
50% of lifelong mental illnesses present themselves by the age of 14. And that I believe it's only 50% of, of, you know, those kids are actually getting help, if not less. You know, if you think about it, we can change an entire generation. So we're talking about, you know, our future adults. Um, If we can catch mental illness uh, early, if we can promote mental health early um, and and get our kids the help that they need, um, we are helping uh, our our future adults as well. And so um, to me, it's about early intervention and, you know, which not only is helping kids, but it's also helping families. And um, so I think it's just really important to, um, you know, to, to, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling, but, um, you know, to, to, to catch it early and help our kiddos. So, uh, on our sleeves is, you know, a a free, um, you know, international movement where it's a free resource where anyone can go to honorsleeves.org and on our sleeves, um, they came up with the name because kids don't always wear their emotions on their sleeves. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, a movement encouraging um, kids to share their emotions and and families um, on how to help their kids, how to um, get support and get the help that they need. And so I um, I'm honored to be a, a champion for the movement. And um, like I said, they helped me as an adult going through what I was going through and. Um, they can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't get rid of me either. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I, I've played, you know, lesser role than you have, you know, with them, but it has just been an honor to be part of that grand opening, um, you know, the Behavioral Health Center um, a couple of years ago and just be an, an advocate for them ever since. You know, I saw you a couple of weeks ago virtually online at, you know, their, their summit and it was just I just I can't emphasize enough, um, you know, the great resources that they have um, and just the great programs they have and the support systems. And going back to parents, I know you were saying it, you know, kind of starts at home. And I 100 percent agree with that because, you know, there's been times I've done parenting workshops and I've, you know, talked to parents about, you know, being involved with their children's lives, you know, and, you know, asking how much do you know about what happens with your child at school or, you know, do you ask questions about, you know, their friends? Do you get to meet their friends and things like that? And I'm not saying, you know, being, you know, there's a term out there called overparenting, you know, I'm not saying you have to be like that, but just, you know, quick check-ins, you know, keeping impulse on their child's mental well-being, you know, asking them how their day was, you know, who they're eating lunch with, you know, things like that. Like you said, it's, it's all about prevention and early intervention. And if you can, if there is a problem and you can see it or intervene earlier, you know, then it's going to be um, a, a better win, if you will. I can't think of the right words to say, but then if you just left it alone and, you know, let your child just go on with their life and not be as involved, because I've talked to so many parents and they will say, I had no idea it was going on. And so, let's say it's been going on for six months to even a year or longer. And the parents will say, I, I had no clue. Or let's say the parent is the parent of the bully. Um, those are for the the victims, if you will. But the, even the bullying parents will say, wow, I had no idea my child was being that mean to other kids at school. You know, they're always so kind at home or they're kind of their siblings. And, you know, um, I just think 
you know, like you said, being an advocate, being proactive, um, you know, talking to your kids, um, not just specifically about bullying, but just about their own mental well-being and doing a check-in, asking them how they're feeling emotionally, mentally, and, and just keeping a pulse on on what's going on in their lives, I think will tremendously help, you know, this this problem that we've, this prominent problem we've been having with bullying. Yeah. And I think, you know, my husband and I don't have children, but we have a, a whole slew of nieces and nephews. And um, we have kind of two crops and an older crop that are in the high school and, and college, and then a younger crew that are, you know, in preschool and elementary school. And um, a big lesson that I've learned through On Our Sleeves um, is about emotional empowerment uh, with, with our kids. And, you know, kids don't, they don't know how to deal with their emotions. They need to be taught. You know, it's, they, they have big emotions and, you know, they, they, they don't automatically know what to do with them. And that became very, very prevalent this year with, um, the, our, you know, the younger kiddos in my family and they were experiencing, I I think definitely after COVID and, and virtual school and not, um, having as much interaction with kids on a regular basis, um, they were experiencing a lot of big emotions Mm -hmm. and they didn't know what to do with them. And I had a lot of talks with my family and, you know, uh, it's just, you know, it's something that it's been, it's been a while since we were kids and we were in their shoes and, you know, they, they, they don't necessarily know what to do with these big emotions. They don't know how to verbalize it. They don't know how to express these emotions. And then on top of it, I remember, you know, when I was in kindergarten, um, I, I just stopped talking. I stopped talking to my teacher. I stopped following orders and I was a very good student. Mm -hmm. I basically just shut down and my teacher called my mom in and cause they didn't, they didn't know what was going on with me. And it turns out there was a student teacher and the student teacher took over and I just didn't really connect with that mm-hmm. student teacher. And so I ended up just shutting down because I missed my actual kindergarten teacher and they got to the bottom of it. But I remember my mom coming into the classroom. I remember my mom being there and, you know, literally getting to be there with my teacher and talking this through. Well, because of COVID, parents really aren't allowed into the schools right now. And it's very scary for kids just to be dropped off outside of a building and the parents can't be there to walk them in and, and be inside the classroom. And there's a lot of anxiety around that. And so, you know, I've just learned so much about kids and emotions and, and emotional empowerment and how to handle those emotions. And um, yeah, so it's, I, I think we need to realize as adults, we need to hold our kids' hands and really teach them how to deal with these emotions rather than just assuming that they know what to do with them. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, that's why I love play therapy so much and why I love um, using play to let children communicate without actually having to talk to me, you know, because if I ask, sometimes ask a child a question straight on, they might shut down. You know, I've worked with a lot of children who either don't have the speech and language for it um, or are autistic and and can't speak or um, are selectively mute um, or just don't want to talk about some of the trauma that they've had. And so, 
I'm able to utilize, you know, toys through um, toys, puppets, sand trade, different things that they can get through their 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 traumatic experience and learn how to cope um, without having to actually have an eye to eye sit down, you know, conversation with me, especially those little ones, even even the older ones too. And um, I just I, I love that, and I love I I always teach my my parents and and my clients, um, you know, not only to label emotions, how important it is to label emotions, um, but then also talk about them too, because like you said, some children and even older children and maybe even sometimes adults have a hard time articulating what they're feeling, you know, and putting a label to it you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm feeling, you know, whatever the emotion is, like you said, it, it does start with, with, with teaching. So, um, but I know earlier you talked about Star Wars and I know we're both big fans and you are the voice of Ahsoka Tano and which I know you have a tremendous fan following for, um, what would, what would Ahsoka Tano advice, what would, what advice, um, would Ahsoka have for young, inspiring minds? Well, I would say the biggest piece of advice um, actually lies in one of Ahsoka's quotes from the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars. She says, in my life, when you find people who need your help, you help them no matter what. I guess it's just who I am. And Ahsoka is a very powerful character in Star Wars. Um, she's known as a very powerful Jedi, and then she goes out on her own, um, and as a she's a rebel. Um, and what makes her so powerful is her kindness. And that's a lesson that I learned as an adult that I wish I had been taught as a kid, because my parents always raised me to be kind. That was the number one rule in our house was to treat others as you want to be treated. You know, I'll never forget over and over and over again, my mom would always praise me when she saw me being kind to someone else. She would always say, you are no different than anyone else. And, you know, Ashley, I'm very proud of you that you were very kind to that person. And so that was a huge rule in our house. Um, and so I, I was raised to be kind. However, on the flip side, you know, um, I was often told, oh, Ashley, you're too kind. You're too nice. You need to be tough. You need to be strong. You, you know, you're just too nice. And so on one hand, I was praised for being kind. But then on the other hand, I was being put down for being too kind. Right. <laughs> and, and so kindness was like looked at as a weakness. Um, and it wasn't until honestly the past two years where I realized that kindness is one of the most powerful attributes that you can have. Um, that Ahsoka Tano is so powerful because of her kindness. And in many cases, it's harder to be kind than it is to be, you know, to be not so kind or to be mean or rude or, or tough or strong or, you know, right. it's, um, it's, it's hard and difficult to be kind uh, in certain situations. And so um, I think the biggest narrative that I have tried to spread and um, you know, the biggest lesson that I am, am trying to get the word out to kids is that kindness is powerful. 
um, that, you know, especially when you feel powerless, um, we can, we can gain our power back by being kind. And, and sometimes when you don't know how to help yourself, um, if you focus on helping others, uh, in turn, you actually help yourself. Um, so be kind, help others, and in turn, it will also come back to you. Oh, beautifully said. I, I'm, yeah, just, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and it is a superpower. I do believe that yes. it is, it's, um, it, it's in such need and we, we definitely need a lot more kindness in our world. So I'm, I'm glad you're spreading that word and, and, you know, going back a little bit to your, to your book. Um, so you had mentioned earlier, I mean, obviously you're the author of, um, it's your universe. You have the power to make it happen, which again, I own, I love it. Um, we'll talk about later where people can, can buy one of them themselves. Um, it's very inspiring. I remember hearing you speak about it at a, at a conference years ago and just feeling so empowered. I I left that conference that day, just feeling like I'm going to go get my dreams and, you know, pursue them because just the way you you wrote it and the way you presented it was again, just so inspiring. I know you have six takeaways or pieces of advice from your book. Um, Can you just quickly go into what those are um, just to um, share some of that inspiration with our listeners today? Absolutely. So I basically broke um, making your dreams come true down into steps. And, you know, the first step, it's, you know, you have to start with a dream. (laughs) Um, You can't make your dreams come true without a dream. Um, And then you have to wish, you know, my favorite song is when you wish upon a star. And, you know, you have to wish. Um, But then you have to believe you have to believe that the dreams that you wish can and do come true. But then you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as we learn in uh, The Princess and the Frog, um, as we learn from Tiana's daddy, um, that, you know, those dreams that you wish are not just going to fall in your lap. You have to dream it, but then you have to do it. Um, and then you have to work hard. You have to literally take those dreams and while you're doing it, you have to transform, you have to transform those dreams into a reality. And, you know, that is from tireless hard work. Um, And, you know, and then the final step is you have to trust in the process. So after you put all of the hard work in, then it's the persistence and um, everything else that you've put into it, it's the persistence and just continuing to, um, to, to, to reach for the stars and make those dreams come true. Uh, and you have to have persistence in believing that they will come true. And you just have to trust in the process. Um, and so the book is, you know, I do share my story in the book of how I was able to make some of my dreams come true. But really, the book is a guide for the reader. Um, it is an interactive guide. There's several prompts and writing exercises, um, and it's a roadmap for the reader. So, so really, I only share my story as a here's what I did, and here's why I believed I could, and here's how you can do it too. So at the end of the book, the reader should really have a clear roadmap on how they can dream it and do it. 
Yes. And I love it. And I've used it myself as a guide. And, you know, just hearing you speak about it again today, and I'm thinking, I have a smile on my face. You can't see it, but hopefully you can oh, hear it. Um, it's just, it's, it's just such a great uh, inspiration. And um, it's, it's really helped me feel more confident in the dreams that I have and, and to pursue them and to execute them. So, um, lastly, before we go, I have a couple quick rapid fire questions at the end here, but I do just want to bring up um, quickly um, that you are a fashion designer and founder of the fashion label Her Universe, um, which I love. Again, just um, I want to just have you share a little bit about what inspired you to start the company and, and what inspires your designs. Because um, um, again, if, if you're a Star Wars fan or a Disney fan um, or just a fan of of fashion, um, you'll you'll love this line if you haven't heard of it before. But will you share a little bit more about it? Oh, thank you. Well, you know, yeah, you can go to heruniverse.com uh, or our designs are in Hot Topic uh, in you know the Disney parks on Shop Disney. Um, you know, we started just with with Star Wars. You know, Star Wars clothes for girls, and I started my company with absolutely no. Um, experience in running a company or, you know, no experience in fashion design. But I started it uh, with an anti-bullying platform. You know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, uh, you know, female fans, especially in the science fiction and fantasy genre, um, they were being bullied because, you know, the, the stereotype was that uh, sci-fi and fantasy fans were men and boys. And um, that women and girls, you know, should not be into Star Wars or Marvel or DC and, you know, Doctor Who, Star Trek. Um, right. You know, those were deemed properties for men and boys. And women and girls were being bullied just for being sci-fi fans. And, you know, being a lifelong Star Wars fan myself, um, I wanted a Star Wars t-shirt made for me. And I went shopping one day. I quickly came up empty-handed, and um, I ended up in the men's and the boys section. And I was told to be happy with a men's size small because women would never buy Star Wars clothes made for them. Um, and I quickly did my research, and I found out that I was not alone. That at the time, forty-five percent of all Star Wars fans were women and girls, and eighty-five percent of all consumer purchases were being made by women. And wow. I thought, I'm not a mathematician, <laughs> but these numbers are not adding up. If you make us stuff, we will buy it. And so I um, also found in my research, women and girls were just being bullied terribly. Um, this was back when message boards were really big online and right. uh, women were pretending to be men just so that they could have a conversation about Star Wars and not be made fun of for it. Wow. And I thought this is no way for um, anyone to live. You know, being a fan is a part of you. It's a part of your heart and a part of your soul. And um, it's not just a trend. It's not something you're into one day and out of the next. Um, and so I, I, I literally created the merchandise um, really as a means to end the bullying because I figured if women and girls had Star Wars clothes made for them, they would, they would feel more comfortable to step into the spotlight and say, hi, I'm a girl and I like Star Wars. And so um, I actually asked myself when I had the idea of creating my company, Her Universe, I asked myself, what would Ahsoka do? 
And my answer was that Ahsoka would stand up for fangirls. And um, so I decided to start a company having no experience in it. Um, I don't even have a college degree. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, I surrounded myself with um, a, a, an amazing team of, of people um, who helped me, uh, you know, grow her universe into what it is today. So um, I, I never did it alone. I always had an incredible team to build the company. But um, but yeah, today, you know, we do more than just uh, clothing for women and girls. We do, we started a sub-brand called Our Universe, and we do uh, clothing for men and boys and unisex clothing. And, um, and it's really just a brand to celebrate pop culture and fandom. And I love it. I mean, as a huge Star Wars fan myself, my first movie um, experience in the theater was Return of the Jedi. So I don't know if it's, (laughs) it definitely started when I was young. Uh, If anyone's looking up and Googling what year that came out, but um, you know, I've been to multiple comic cons, um, you know, growing up in San Diego, um, that was always a, a a big thing. And, you know, I've, I'm just, I'm just a huge fan. I can go on and on about how much I love it. So, um, you know, I know we obviously share, share that passion. Um, we also share a passion obviously for, for bullying and and anti-bullying and in mental health, um, Star Wars, and of course, Disney. Um, so I have a couple rapid fire questions for you. I know, um, you have lots of experiences that you could share, but what would you say is your favorite memory or experience at Disney parks? My favorite memory or experience at Disney parks is really just my time with my family. Um, my dad was a Disney cast member, so we went to Disney World all the time. You know, as I mentioned, my mom was a, a teacher, and um, she she used the Disney parks as a classroom, and so we used to go to Disney World all the time, and um, sometimes just for the fireworks. And my my mom, our favorite song, as I mentioned, was When You Wish Upon a Star. And my mom taught me to, you know, look up in the night sky when we were watching the fireworks and to find a star and make a wish. And I will never, ever forget those times. Um, and really, you know, those moments where she instilled the magic of Disney in me. And I believe Disney magic is real. I do. I, I believe that um, that the impossible is possible. I believe that the intangible is tangible. And I believe that the dreams that we wish can and do come true as long as we work hard and and continue to believe. So I think Disney, and I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday, Disney is about the memories and the emotions that you attach to, you know, your, your times at Disney Park. So my favorite memories are definitely my time with my family. I love that. I love that. And I 100% agree. I 100% agree that Disney magic is real. 100%. All right, real quick, Ashley, what is your favorite ride at Walt Disney World or Disneyland? <laughs> um, okay. My favorite ride in all of Walt Disney World is Flight of Passage uh, at oh, yeah. Pandora. I love that ride. But my favorite classic ride is Big Thunder Mountain. Oh, yes. Okay, we have that in common. That is my favorite. <laughs> right now it's closed down for refurbishment and I'm <laughs> I'm just dying to get back on it when it's open again um, out here at Disneyland. But um, but yes, I have to say that's actually my favorite ride too. So I'm glad we have that in common. Awesome. Um, okay, besides Ahsoka Tano, who would you say is your favorite character? Aside from Ahsoka, my favorite Star Wars character is definitely R2-D2. Uh, if, if you really look at it, 
R2-D2 is one of the greatest heroes of Star Wars. He's always there to save the day. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. Ashley, thank you again so much for being here. Um, I know you shared um, heruniverse.com. If you could share where people can buy your book and um, your socials and any other websites you want to share so people can find you. um, Can you just share those real quick for us? Of course, of course. You can go get the book on Amazon uh, or you can just go to your local bookstore. Um, You can order it through your bookstore. Uh, It's wherever books are sold. Uh, And then uh, you can find me on social media just on uh, Instagram. Um, My personal handle is just at Ashley Eckstein and it's just me. So if you send me a message, um, uh, you're, you're talking just to me and I look forward to hopefully seeing you there. Wonderful. Well, again, Ashley, thank you so much for your time um, and and just your wisdom and all of the things you do for anti-bullying awareness and mental health. Um, It's obviously so close and near dear to my heart. Um, I just appreciate that so much, Um, and I hope so many people listen to this um, so they can um, you know feel like they're supported as well and know where they can go to get resources and support as well. Uh, Dr. Kim, thank you so much for having me on. And I can't wait until our paths cross again in person. Oh, me too. Thank you for joining us today. I can't wait to have you back for more. Make sure to subscribe to the Parentologist Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure to tell your friends. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.